0: Queer Relationships, an I Am Clinic podcast devoted to helping you, the LGBTQ plus community, create the love lives and relationships you crave. Okay, picture this. It looks like they're sitting in the bottom of their New York apartment, colored with amazing fashion and really cool glasses. And these two men sit in front of me, beaming with joy. Their sense of humor is unlike anything I've ever seen. You can tell they are best friends working and cultivating their own inside jokes over several years. And although they look like best friends, they wear wedding rings. And their TikTok is full of the same kind of humor and joy that I saw sitting in front of me. With today's guests, we cover topics like being authentic, social media, hookup culture, polyamory, but mostly what does it take to make a marriage last? I find these two men such a beautiful example for all of us to rely on in terms of what does it look like to be married in the queer community. I find their example just so exemplary in And there's this part in me that finds such comfort from knowing that other gay men have been successful at something I've still yet to try, this big thing called marriage. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Let's take a listen. Just kind of thumbing through some of your TikToks, it looks like y'all have had just such a fun love story. I mean, watching some of your pictures, it looks like In many ways, the two of you have grown up next to each other.
1: Yeah, we pretty much did. In a way, we have. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think uh, part of what made it so easy to stay together so long is that we met so young that I think our personalities, like our personalities, were still forming. And so we were able to grow together. Grow together. Mm
2: -hmm. So we didn't come into it with like a lot of. Background or chuffa, as they say, (laughs) (laughs) or um, uh, bad habits or habits, relationship uh, habits. I mean, we're talking about relationship or presumed thoughts, concepts, ideas. um, But we both knew we wanted a relationship. We did. Well, (laughs) no, we didn't. Well, After. (laughs) <laughs> i did he didn't <laughs> not 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 in the first what was it uh
1: few weeks two few weeks yeah i had yeah. to convince him he yeah. wanted to just have some fun yeah that's why i don't know if you saw that video that's why i made him wait like almost a month before we you know took it to the next level as they say on fraser okay. so i need i wanted him to fall in love first and so that, that i wanted a relationship mm-hmm. he wasn't looking for
2: that yeah I, I was in yeah he was in love at first i was in lust but it didn't take long. Like you always say, a few weeks for me to turn around. For sure. I, was, see, I, didn't, I, I wasn't sober. I didn't have to Yeah, go, that's know. true.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I have a particular vantage point as a therapist, and I wonder if you guys share in this vantage point, but to think of a relationship that has been so strong and so deeply rooted in, in many ways, and to watch now... Um, people in their 20s and 30s have such a hard time making relationships last. It um, I hear so often, you know, gay men or queer people just saying, I want to fall in love. I want to feel safe. I want to build a family. And yet it's so incredibly challenging, whether it's, um, I mean, from, from a clinical perspective, I have so many ideas like ambivalence or hookup culture and um different shame all the things that we kind of have to navigate through to make relationships work but what has that been like um for the two of you watching friends and younger generations of gay people um kind of navigate dating with such kind of chaos when it was seemingly pretty easy for the two of you yeah
1: because what I find interesting is that younger people are often saying to us, oh, wow, it must have been so hard for you being gay back in the 80s. But no, it wasn't, it wasn't hard at all. It wasn't any harder than being straight. We had a great time. I, I, they seem much more, uh, I don't know, troubled today or much more, um, what's the word I'm looking for?
2: Uh, <laughs> thanks for the help, Dwayne. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I'm thinking of the question oh. and, and what my response is like. I think when we see, you know, when we see younger people, and you sort of have, has, I, I find it maddening, and and, and so unfortunate that they have so much. Uh, um, Preconceived notions of what it about means to be what it means gay, gay, to be gay what it means to be a relationship, what it means to date, what it means to uh, be yourself. And uh, where all these things came from, I don't know, except I, I, when I can piece things together, it seems to come from our culture, our society, uh, technology, social um, And we had none of that. Media, And again, we didn't have any of that. And again, the the whole uh, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, uh, let me reveal my life, something which it isn't, something that is better than it is. How can you ever find out who you really are when you're presenting something that isn't real mm-hmm. my most beautiful picture my you know and uh i love this lifestyle that i live right. whatever and and again a lot of that comes from pop culture the music uh is very empty that these younger people have to listen to i mean when we grew up our music and even our television gave us uh a sense of being a sense of who we are right. non-materialistic materialism was you know considered yeah it, it was it a <laughs> you didn't want it. I mean, it was just bad. It was commercialism. It was crass. Um, So again, when I see what they have to deal with and what they have to remove from themselves to, to make themselves, I hate to use a trite word, but authentically to make themselves authentically themselves, it's a lot that they have to go through. And I feel sorry for them Because of all this pollution and garbage and pressure that's been thrown on. them, They often ask us younger
1: gay people, LGBT people, uh, what, you know, um, what advice can you give us or how can how can I enter the gay world when I'm coming out? And how should I be? We're like, just be yourself. The answer we always give, it's so basic. Just be yourself. They don't seem to. Be able to grasp that they're like, no, I have to fit in. I have to. If I don't fit in. I'm so going to be so pressure ostracized. to fit
2: in. Yeah. Whereas when we were coming up, the pressure to fit in wasn't there. The pressure was there. Not pressure, but the the the, the oh. feeling was to be your to 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 be yourself, to be an individual, to not fit in. Well, another and another question we often get is,
1: who were your gay idols growing up? Like there were no gay. We had no gay idols. I mean, that was not a thing. So I think that helped us because we look to anyone to think oh i need to be this way i need to act that way we just we developed our own personalities and our own way of being and another thing i noticed that they do is that the code switching you know acting more flamboyantly with your with, with, with friends, their friends and then yeah. acting a different way with their straight friends. we've never done that we've only ever been the same no matter who we're around whether we're in a work environment or with family or friends or So I think it's just it's a very different uh, culture they've grown up in and there's a lot of pressure. And so as far as relationships, I don't know, they have they feel a lot of pressure to be a certain way and they have expectations on the other person to be a certain way. We didn't have those expectations. We just let it happen. And being
2: such an instant society, if that. Immediately that the the person, let's say you're you're, you're dating or whatever, or, or you're interested in starting a relationship, immediately if there's something that's not right, uh they just the, shut the idea down. is we'll throw it away. You know, it's like delete, you know, scroll, right. scroll to the next person, delete. I right. mean, you have to work on relationships. Uh, and, and, and again, I again I feel sorry because it's so much more difficult for them. And and they they have this concept of, you know, I want to be my authentic self. But I don't think they really understand what they're saying when they say their authentic self they they they're afraid they're they're afraid to find out who that is, and they need help in developing mm. that mm-hmm.
0: yeah almost like a a safe a playground a sandbox of sorts to to say I get to play around with what my authenticity is in order to understand that it's actually authentic, you know, kind of this, um, this, uh, maybe echo chamber in a good way to say, I'm not relying on the influences of social media to inform my authenticity, but I'm allowing it to blossom from within.
2: And we all go through that as we develop and we're growing up and, you know, uh, whether it's, you know, we're relating to, an aunt, an uncle, a father, a mother, something that we see, oh, um, you know, these are qualities that I like, so, uh, right. you know, I'm going to take those on. I mean, we, we have to develop, yes, but I, I think the problem is the the social media and the-, the, the That's their influence. The, the culture no, not- being an influence, which it's not most ideal- it, it's, not, you know, it's, it's, not not it's not, it's not, not, not real. It's not a human connection kind of thing. It's an, it's a technology connection. <laughs> I think that's a problem. Am I going away? I talk yes. with my hands a
1: lot. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, once you get him started, like I was like, but your run get to shut up there? Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, but I do. I do. I'm thinking of kind of my own development. Um, you know, obviously I was a teenager and a young adult without social media, um, And I think, I mean, I was, what, a junior, sophomore in college when Facebook finally hit the campus that I was on at Colorado University. Um, But to think, to, to watch social media kind of swing in right as I was hitting my 20s and how that definitely created the perception to kind of curate my life. You know, I had to decorate my bedroom in a certain way so that my selfies there looked really cool. Or I had to have the right car or the cool haircut and the, the cool Warby Parker glasses at the time to create this persona of what my life really looked like. Um, I think we can take wow. that even a step further and think about if my one option now for dating, hypothetically, is Grindr or Tinder, and that i'm going to kind of curate this physical environment to portray something about my emotional environment or my, mm-hmm. my maturity level that is a lot of pressure i think on, oh, yeah. on younger generations to say what is my authentic self in other words maybe something like what is my social media self and those two can yeah. Yeah. it sounds like you're saying those can oftentimes be perceived as one and the same
2: yeah, and they, right, and they can also be against each other. Mm-hmm. They can be up. You know, they could conflict. Right, you know, they can, uh, create other, right. mm-hmm. know, they can be a, create a conflict.
0: Absolutely,
2: um, yeah. within yeah. someone. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: I think um, something kind of perked my ears earlier on in our conversation, and I kind of came up with the question of what does relationship mean to both of you the idea of being in a relationship or creating one or having
1: one. Um, I think number one, and people ask us this all the time, Mm -hmm. it's having someone with whom you could be completely honest and tell anything to like, even if it's something that you think it's going to hurt their feelings or it's going to be humiliating for you. It doesn't matter. You have that person that you can feel safe just saying anything. And i was that way with Dwayne from the start. It took a little while longer for him to open up more just because of his background his family didn't do that, but mine did. So I think that's a huge, um, factor. It's huge and important factor in why we've been able to stay together so long. And that's what a relationship to me means. Someone in addition to, of course, love and friendship and trust and all that stuff. Um, and sex, but no, you, which is not, none of those are necessary. I don't think as, as, as necessary as openness and trust. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. It almost sounds like every, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was <laughs> going to say and every relationship really needs that um, openness, trust mm-hmm. um, really is anyone we've any relationship basis. we
1: knew that broke up or that they had conflict. It was because there was a secret. There was, mistrust there was a lie even if it was something small i think it can grow and grow into something big mm-hmm. because there's that feeling of mistrust
2: mm-hmm. and one other thing betrayal yeah and a sense of humor oh yeah, yeah yeah not taking yourself too seriously yes being able to laugh with your partner mm-hmm. um
1: and i learned that from my parents my parents were married for 60 years and they were laughing all the time right till the end so my father died, so uh, I think that's that. I learned that, and I think that's really important. Like we laugh constantly. And I guess there's we're gonna be of laughing as soon as this interview is over. We're gonna be cracking up hysterically at the stupid thing you said. She said yes. Well,
2: yeah, there's also we we both came <laughs> from uh, families where our parents stayed together, their whole for life. Lives. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We both have fathers that have passed away. So um, that was a big influence. So again, that's that's something that's
0: an influence on you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In my notes here, I kind of wrote, it sounds like you guys are saying relationships equal vulnerability and vulnerability. Yes. yes. Honesty, you know, kind of in this was,
1: um, video I'm, you mentioned. Yeah. I'm sorry. The video you mentioned that we did the I love you versus love you. That's what we were saying. Adding the I, that's, that's showing vulnerability. A lot of people are afraid to, to feel that or to show that.
2: And once you can be vulnerable with someone, you're open. You can really there's love a them. a deep connection. Mm-hmm. You open up. You feel there's the vulnerability will equal that trust. Right, right.
0: Yeah, I, um, so with my religious background, right, I have this one phrase that I still hold on to, and I love it so much. But it's, um, they were naked and unashamed. And taking yeah. that, that little phrase and making it not necessarily this physical nakedness, but this emotional this this authenticity that I am not standing behind a facade, and because I am completely naked in front of you in all of these ways, I am therefore unclaimed. You see everything, and it is still beautiful.
1: Right.
2: Yeah. Right. Right. And so many people will listen to that phrase and turn it into smut. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not about having only
2: five (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: In order for vulnerability to be, to produce, to to kind of flourish, the two of you must have been safe for one another. You know, it's really hard to do vulnerability when we're unsafe. Where do you think that safety came from? Hmm.
1: (sighs) What do you think?
2: Yeah. Do you think that safety came from probably prior to even meeting each other? Maybe the safety of a of a home a, a home life where has to be upbringing. Yeah, the upbringing where you didn't feel um, unheard or unseen, or you um, were able to express yourself, or at least uh, yeah, be yourself growing up. Um, mm-hmm. Whatever that is you know, a, a little brat or a happy little kid or uh, someone who wants to just play alone and not you know join a team, you know and whatever that would be gives you a sense of who you are and can be, which then I think allows you to uh, our, our parents gave us such be a safe. A, our yeah. parents gave us such a strong
1: sense of self that I remember thinking when I was a teenager and I was going to come out to them, I remember thinking, if they don't accept me, then I don't accept them. I'll just, I mean, it works both ways, but I didn't have to do that. They were fine. But I mean, because of that, that upbringing from them, I had such a strong, someone's self-esteem and such a strong sense of self that I thought you have to accept me as I am.
2: And I came from the same, I came from this before meeting him. I had the same experience with myself. It's like, if I'm not going to be accepted as, as gay, I'm, that's fine. And I still am going to be. And you know, I, I don't need... I don't that, need right? you. I don't need that. No. Right. Yeah. So... Unfortunately, we both didn't have to experience that, which again, makes it easier, I guess, to, to. I don't know, just to navigate life, having your family backing you and behind you, with you, you know. Does that answer the question about safety, question. If feeling safe with each other? For sure.
0: The, the yeah. way that I hear it is that you were able to provide safety because... In a sense, you were aware of your own worth, so you could easily cherish the worth of someone else, as opposed to someone who's insecure, saying, "I need someone who's better than me or the trophy guy to compliment me." And that there's a lot of tension in using someone to prop your own sense of self up, but that's just a
2: mistake. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, and you put that perfectly, yes.
1: When we were really young, like still like 18 and 19, he had all these like vintage muscle magazines that he he loved to look at. And, or was those cult magazines with all the big, very big muscular guys. And I used to ask him, I wasn't really jealous. I I wasn't jealous, but I would say, why are you with me if that's what you like? And he would always say, because I love you, because that's two different things. Yeah, it is, that's that's an image. But I think a lot of guys- yeah, a lot of guys today they're looking for that perfect image. They don't want to be seen with someone that's lesser than them. They need to be seen with someone that's hot or whatever that means, mm-hmm. and that, that that leads to disaster, I think, mm-hmm. or can.
2: And then also a lot of people will enter a relationship only enter a relationship with somebody who's of their economic level or who you know right. uh, education level. I mean, uh, love comes everywhere.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know,
2: it comes out of anywhere and everywhere.
0: Mm-hmm. I know I I did this early on in my 20s, and I definitely hear it in the lives of my clients, but saying, if I'm curating this, the the room, right, with the perfect decor, and it looks good in my selfies, and then I can I can run enough and lift enough weights to make my body look good in my pictures, but now I need to go out there and find a man who looks good in my pictures, who looks good on paper.
1: Oh my God, yes.
0: And kind of thinking like my life isn't complete, or even I'm not valuable unless I have someone who's picture worthy, picturesque, if you right, like. Right. And I definitely agree with you that I've learned that totally contradicts the idea that love can come from anywhere.
2: Yeah, <laughs> excuse me. <coughs> it seems like yes. what you were saying social media has made it. Really difficult. So difficult for people to see past this, to even understand past it, because they think that this is the only way what they see through social media Um, and even within our culture, which is so geared towards, you know, beauty and uh, status and uh, luxury and, you know. That's like
1: like that's why we were saying every time these young people say to us, well, they see the old videos of us from the 80s they say wow it must have been so hard for you to be gay and be in a relationship and be open back then no it was easy you've got it hard they don't even realize they've got it hard and it's
2: it's a sad thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you know we came of age uh just during the uh um, the AIDS crisis right and same year everyone thinks that that made it so horrible and morbid and which it was but there's the other side of it is that we became activists and we were involved we had a purpose we had a drive mm-hmm. it kept us um it kept us focused and yeah. moving forward mm-hmm. rather than you know being the misery and dwelling on misery dwelling yeah. on it yeah mm-hmm and living in a city like new york there was a lot of that too. but there was oh, yeah. also very easy to be be an activist because we're in the city of new york you know yeah. this is where things are happening
1: mm-hmm.
2: oh for sure <laughs> but we always did it all together
0: mm-hmm. in that line have you guys seen there's the the shift right in dating and, and that make social media making it harder do you see a shift in the way that younger generations are talking about
1: or engaging sex that may
0: be different Hmm.
1: like you mean because of the app the pick the social the um hookup apps yeah or because of prep yeah or Or because of prep yeah
0: or because of you know like more social acceptance less shame but that doesn't necessarily we're always in every paradigm moving in the right direction Mm-hmm.
2: There is, of, I notice again. We're, we're going back to social media. This is where we see everything now yeah. you know, on social media. Uh, for for um, people to be so much more open with um, their like sexual fantasies, fetishes, uh, uh, showing them off, uh, and, and almost. <sighs> it's hard now because we've been uh involved in tiktok recently so you see a lot you're seeing like the world through the tiktok app um and there's just i i I, you know and and on tiktok you can get caught in different uh sort of uh worlds the you know the 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 gay man we're in the the cat world the the, this you know the different and with the, the gay men tiktok there's a lot of Sexuality, as if that is the basis of who they are. Their sex is everything that they are. Yes. That that that, that it's the only topic them. they bring up. It's yeah. Their only topic. It's. And uh, again, I wonder now: is is this being done just for TikTok, or do they really feel that way?
1: That's what we keep wondering: is this really how but most younger is... gay guys think, or is it just for the for TikTok? Right.
2: And, and if they're doing, or that's the only thing they're doing on TikTok, then it makes you wonder: how is that then seeping into? their psyche that uh you know i am nothing but a sexual being yeah uh, and that's just you know that's a small part of again of who you are. Absolutely. it's
1: rare to see a gay a younger gay guy on TikTok tock who doesn't turn around and shake his butt i, I mean it's fine it's cute but
2: it's good to be self-confident yes but then sometimes it also borders on narcissism some of it Right. Which again narcissism is not a healthy thing um, it's good you know yeah, be old oh, I, I, you know self-love I love myself well that's different than narcissism look at me yeah they have got it my cute look at me look my naked body look at my ass it's so big, you know it, 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 there, again, getting back to what social media has done it has confused people with what self-love is and self-worth and again an image of what you are
0: hmm. I was on the phone. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a grad student was interviewing me yesterday, um, a straight grad student kind of asking about the, the queer community for a, a paper that we were writing. And one of the things that I, I still find myself feeling very passionate about is the idea that sexual orientation has a very particular route for which we come out. You know, we come out as sexual beings. But when we look at the way sexuality functions in the brain, for the majority of us and in all of our autonomic nervous systems, we need an emotional intimacy to drive us towards sexual intimacy. And I was telling this young student, I wonder what, how we would identify and, and how our identities would develop if we had an emotional orientation as opposed to a sexual orientation yeah, we might prioritize how we connect and how we love and how we understand and empathize and practice vulnerability rather than what we do sexually with our bodies.
1: I don't know why yes. I instinctively knew at 18, because we were each other's first boyfriend, first date, everything. But I just knew that, if I didn't make him wait and get him to fall in love with me and get to know each other intimately first, that, that would be, it would just be the end of it. If we just went right for that from the start. So. Yeah.
2: And mentally I was a little bit wired, like, okay, this is going to be sex. And it'll be good. You know? Right. Yeah. You know, this is a hookup. This is a, you know, it's, it's, even though you never hooked up before. Yeah, right. Right. But I mean, but you were I, eager to do it again. Yeah. I, uh, It was a little bit part of the culture, too, within our culture. Yeah, from the 70s. It came out of the 70s, the sex, the 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 bathhouses, swinging and everything. So, you know, um, uh, yeah, and again, initially, I wasn't thinking long term. I was thinking immediate gratification. Right, Um, which a lot of people think. Yeah.
1: A lot of people think, Mm -hmm. especially because of the apps.
0: I do see a lot of people right now, maybe even the community at large, if I can be a little generalized here, having this internal debate, am I one of the people who's okay with hookup culture and polyamory and open relationships, or do I really crave monogamy? And they kind of consider, is it is it more safe for me to be in this open relationship where I can have access to things that I need? Or is it safe for me to be in this monogamous relationship where we create security and belonging and and trust? Not that there's not those things in polyamory. But I do think a lot of people find themselves questioning, is this, uh, this kind of more enlightened or liberated sexuality and open relationships the thing to do? Or is there something more uh important or special about monogamy and i think that's a very good question for us
2: we we get we get that question asked to us often yeah um and our you know our response is always you know this is something you have to find out on your own it's you 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 can't let somebody pressure you into it you can't uh you can't um not think about it you have to find inside yourself what it is that you want do you want, want? and sometimes you know it, it, it requires maybe dabbling or experimenting to find out this is right for me I'm good this is not right for me I mean you can't just sit down and say this is this is what I want want uh and and, and be definite until you experience but well, we know what all of it's like because experience. we've,
1: we've experienced it all and there wasn't really a difference as far as our relationship. I think, well, we were monogamous for the first 20 years and then we decided let's see what it's like to be with other guys just because, you know, we might regret it someday when we're, Decrepit and in the nursing home, and you know, yeah, why didn't, we, gee, <laughs> why didn't we? Hopefully, we'll have wheelchairs next to each other so we can chat. <laughs> but hopefully, not we'll to get. It. Yes, hopefully not. But you know, so that's we, that's why we did that, and that was a lot of fun. And then we also tried polyamory at one point, just because our attitude has always been just try things just to see what they're like. And in the end, we eventually came back to being monogamous because that's we're best just the two of us. That's personal, though. I mean, anyone, I think if you have a strong relationship and you trust each other and there's love there, you could do anything. It doesn't, it doesn't, it won't affect your relationship. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. We've seen couples go into a, uh, um, uh, a triad and come out of it destroyed they're often destroyed yes and we've known those couples going into it were not stable strong they, they were looking for something to maybe make it more stable or strong right. or somebody wanted something that the other one didn't, didn't want were pulled in all those are wrong reasons it's you know everyone has to be on board stable and strong right. if you're going to go into a polyamorous poly, poly, uh, uh, relationship
1: yeah because he actually Dwayne would have wanted to open things up a little sooner than i did but i wasn't ready so he waited for me i mean that's
2: and it's no big he deal. Didn't push you yeah you, you, you can't you you know again with, with your your partner your husband your, your your wife, you you have really had again it's come back you got to be open and honest and right and you have to respect their feelings
1: um, wait because yeah because well, when, when these people say to us what should i do my partner wants open relationship and i don't Every time we're like, "Well, you should be you talking to, to them, not us.
2: us." And yeah. you have to sit down and you have to have a conversation in a very honest conversation, yeah. an open conversation. Tell them don't, what you're feeling. Don't tell us. I mean, we're, we're, we're glad to give you our advice, but you two better get together, or right. else you're in trouble. You know.
1: Mm-hmm. If you're afraid to talk to him, that's a problem in your relationship because you should be able to talk about That's the first thing you have to about tackle. Then, yes, you yeah. have to
2: get on top of that and make sure that you can talk to anything about well, talk about anything with your spouse, yeah. your partner.
1: Providing that
0: safety, you need to be safe to say anything, to be naked, even in your
1: cravings. Right. Yep, yep, yep. Right. Exactly. And, you know, don't worry about the fact that they might not approve. They might think it's wrong. It's bad. You might have something really kinky you're into. You know, you can't be embarrassed to tell your partner because that has to be the person that you're safest with
2: that's that's an issue I, I have with uh, younger generations that they're so overly concerned with being judged. It's okay to be judged. It's no reflection on you. Let someone judge you. That doesn't mean anything. You if, if you're strong in who you are, That's bullshit. They say that
1: to us a lot, like in comments we get on various social media. They ask us a question. They say, well, but, you know, I'm not judging you. I don't care if you judge me. Go ahead and judge. It doesn't matter. It's
2: it's an okay thing to do. It's an okay to be judged. You you just don't let it affect you personally. Right. Everyone's going to be judged. Maybe Maybe, maybe you can learn from it. Maybe you can see yourself in a way maybe you haven't seen yourself, you know.
0: Letting someone judge you in in this light almost sounds like a practice of self-esteem. Yes, yes. I "I love myself, even if you're critiquing this or that about me, but I'm steadfast, and that's a beauty, according to me.
1: Right. If you really love yourself, not the narcissistic love yourself, but if you really love yourself, then you won't care about being judged. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Yeah. By your partner or by anyone.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, I often think that for a lot of people, judgment—the the the history of judgment that they've lived through – Almost kind of creates the perception that to be safe is actually unsafe. Because now I'm open to being abandoned or rejected or falling in love and then being left. And so I think a lot of people who might hear this conversation say, like, I really want what you guys have, but I don't know if I can trust safety. And I think that's a really unfortunate thing for for many of us.
2: It is. It is unfortunate. But then the question is. Do you trust yourself? Ah, right. Do you trust yourself? Right. right. That's what it comes down to. Trust yourself, and everything else out there is bullshit.
0: Trust yourself to keep. Wait, wait, what's your language? Can
2: I say that on? Can I say (laughs) that on? (laughs) Absolutely.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Trust yourself to keep yourself safe, even in relationships.
1: Yeah. 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 As I. I Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you see head nodding on a podcast. I don't think so.
0: <laughs> it'll sound funny though. All that empty. MD- sound- <laughs> <laughs> chunk, it, chunk, of, chunk of. Yeah, yeah, I was uh, enjoying thumbing through your TikToks, and I absolutely love the the um, maybe the collection of photos that you all have from like photo booths and things like that. How has that been over the years? I was thinking of like picking up my phone and texting my partner, Joe, Joe, we got to do this. This is so cute.
1: <laughs> People have said to us, we have to do it. I've seen them tagging their, their partners and saying, we need to do this. Yeah. Um, I got that from my mother. She photographed everything. I was always annoyed as a little boy because she always had the camera in her hand. I was like, Ma, leave me alone. But now I'm glad she did it because I have a great recording of my life and my family's life. So I grew up thinking that's what you're supposed to do. You get married and you take lots and lots of pictures. So that's just what I did from the start. And I'm glad I did. And he he's very, loves himself. So he loves having his picture <laughs> taken. So that, it was easy. There was no, you know, get away, Ma, get away, Ma. No, no. He was like, I'm Ready right
2: for a close-up? I don't mind. Take a picture of me. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and growing up, my father always had the movie cameras, so he was, and then he moved from movie cameras to video cameras. So, um, yeah, uh, that's I guess that's in both of us the idea of uh, documenting uh, your life through. But I,
1: but not just your life. life. I always thought that was a part of marriage that you're You have lots uh, of pictures. Uh, yeah, you know, you have lots of pictures, and you record every moment together. I don't know why, but that's what I thought you're supposed to do. So I did it. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, it's amazing. I'm glad you did because it's uh, quite a movie. Thanks. Thanks. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I kind of say that from a particular perspective, but I'm 37, and it's uh, when I definitely remember, I mean, even still to this day, but in my 20s and my early 30s, it was a, a craving within me to say, I want to see a version of what my life looks like out in front of me. I want to know what being married to a man looks like. I want to know what a healthy relationship looks like between two men, not having those examples um, to see kind of the chronology and your, the longevity that the two of you have created is just so fun. It paints a picture for all of us in terms of happiness.
2: Oh,
1: that's so nice. Well, well, no, thank you.
2: But we didn't have any to look at, and, and except say, our parents, except our parents, but you know, in as as gay, as gay men, we didn't have any um, role models. Role models, thank you. So, what I'm looking for any role models, um, but we knew what we wanted, and it was you know, damn everyone if they don't want us to have it. This is what we want. And even like when we first met, and we were said we want to get married. Um, all of our gay friends were like we need married gay men don't get married. You know that was the, the, the that was the uh, social yeah, psychology like at that time.
1: We didn't have pushback from straight people. They were like, "Oh, that's great. That's so sweet." Yeah, it was gay people, people, people telling us, "Oh, why do you want to do that? Right. We're it, supposed to be promiscuous."
2: promiscuous you, you can't get married. You can't get married. There's no such thing. And and it was yeah, our gay friends were like, I mean, our straight friends, they were like, "Yeah, you're right. You should be able. You should be married." Right. So, um what was my point here? Wait, we're talking about I don't <laughs> Did I He get does this track? all the time. He start. he gets onto a really good point.
1: I'm like, but
2: what was the question yeah, originally? <laughs> I don't remember. Was
1: there a question. <laughs> but it was good. Well, I don't think it answered the question, but it was good. But
2: what? was there a question or was I just making a point?
1: <laughs> he was talking about the pictures and how it gives people no, 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 a no, but we positive image of right,
2: it. Right, right. But that, that was the positive image thing that I took into we didn't have, but we made our own. Okay. Yeah. Again, which I don't know how that helps anybody. But that was really nice
1: <laughs> to hear that from you, though, because I never thought about that. The fact that seeing these pictures of us gives people hope for their future. It's really nice. Oh, right.
2: Yes, that's
0: right. Cool. Yes. And like, it's kind of it in there, yes. Yeah, this, this attitude for this and that, that not only your history and your insights today in the conversation, but the photos are, it's a, it, is, it serves as a role model for many of us to say this is what it looks like to grow up with each other, to, to be with each other by each other's side and to still see in your TikToks, the love and the humor, um, the connection. It's just such right. a beautiful role, you know, role
2: modeling for all of Thank
1: us. Thank you. Mm-hmm.
2: If, yeah, I, I mean, actually, I hope if we can like inspire at least somebody or, you know, that that's a wonderful thing. That feels great. I hope it could also show people that
1: it was not a horrible time for us when we were in the 80s and 90s, because they often say that, wow, all we see in the media are depictions of gay people from that time period that are really depressing, really maudlin, and tragic. And they're shocked to see these videos of us where we're just like having fun and being silly. Like they didn't even think that that was possible. I thought we all just sort of <laughs> marched around with sad looks on our faces. So it's good to be able to let them know, no, we were happy. You can be happy too. It's, it's, it's all painable. possible. It's attainable.
0: Yeah. 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 You said this, Dwayne, and you said it almost as, as though it's a product of 40 years worth of marriage, but you said we were respecting their feelings. I was respecting his feelings. And that's a statement that I think comes with years of growth. Because I don't think many people know how to lovingly respect their spouse's feelings and just letting it be a feeling, not a, a personal attack or the opinion that has to win. What is that uh how have you guys practiced that? I mean, that's a beautiful boundary to respect each other's feelings, even at the point of saying, I want to sleep with other people. I mean, that's that's incredible safety and stamina.
1: Yeah. And he was saying that very early on, actually. That you want to like open up.
2: Oh, yeah, but that's not the point here. The point here... Is, I know, I'm throwing it in. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, uh, it just... Uh, it just seems human to respect another human's point of view and feelings, even if you don't agree with it. Um, and...
1: You mean whether you're in a relationship with them or not? You're so, saying
2: right, right, right. And what you know when you're in a relationship, it's a different dynamic because uh, you need to. Um, we well, hear if it's outside of a relationship and you don't uh, agree with somebody, you don't have to deal with that person. That's fine. You walk away. That person's not a part of your life. But when you're in a relationship, you need to. Um, understand their, where they're coming from with their feelings and, and point of view and then either help them to change it if it's not healthy or just accept it and, and work with it mm. um, you know you, you I guess it's the old adage whatever uh, you, you can you don't change what you can't I, I forget how it goes but in a relationship you can change the way your partner thinks or feels if it's not. Uh, good for them or healthy, or you see that this is something that's troubling them. Um, And you just have to, yeah, you really have to be open and willing to work with that. And I guess it comes from a point of self-examination. You know, I I guess you spend a lot of your life examining yourself and wondering, why am I doing this? Is this something that's good? Why am I this way? Uh, Being this way is causing me to feel this way. And I don't like to feel this way. So I have to stop doing this. I, I think growth, personal growth and and, and relationship growth is con- is, is, is and, and being human is a natural uh, part of self-examination. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And if you stop, I think you, you stop growing as a human when you stop when you stopped uh, you know, uh, self-examination, self-reflection, self-examination, mm-hmm. and that doesn't, that's, that, that is not related by what's going on out there. It's, it's what's going on inside affected of by you it. affected by Yeah. Not mm-hmm. affected by what's going on outside in society. Um, but it, it, it's what's going on inside of you.
0: Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I like what you're saying here because it's, it's like we don't even stop growing personally, but we stop growing relationally when we can't, mm. Assess who am I and what are my motives and how are those creating my behaviors? You know, and I I think that sometimes I think this is maybe one of the most important pieces for a a healthy relationship. And I, I really do believe this. But when we can learn how to respect the feelings of our partner, in some ways, we're protecting the relationship from our own immaturity. Because I'm thinking of an
1: example
0: mm. in this, you know, one partner saying, hey, let's open up. And the other person saying, oh, no. The person asking might say, well, this is my life. This is my comfort. This is my sexuality. What do you mean? No, I'm out of here. And that their immaturity can override what's actually um, important or what makes a, a relationship yeah. laugh. I think, I mean, this respect right. that you guys have feelings is amazing.
2: Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you, you there, there yeah. I, there's, there's, there's compromise in a relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, there there is there's compromise. Um you don't have to compromise uh, I, I often people ask uh, uh, I always say you know if you're going into a relationship never compromise who you are. But you need compromise in a relationship because you need to be uh, uh, cognitive. Is that the right word? Cognitive. Cognitive of your <laughs> of your partner's feelings, thoughts, desires, um, the emotions. You know. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. The word that we use here in the clinic is negotiate. You know, to say um, almost like two business partners coming together to strike a deal to say, I don't know if I can give you that, but I can give you this. And the other, you know, I don't have to, I can, I can settle with that and I will be happy and we can function as two partners creating something together. And I think I agree with that negotiation or that compromising is so important as long as it's not part of the person's identity or the personhood. Right. Right,
1: right, right.
2: That's what I'm trying to say. Right. said it or not. Yes. Yeah. That's what I'm getting at. Right.
1: Yeah. That's what you meant. That's what I
2: meant. <laughs> you said it better. <laughs> I practiced it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, but,
1: yes. I was going to say, like, like when I corrected him, like, that doesn't bother him. Like, things like that. Like, it, I think I see, we, we see these younger couples are so... Obsessed with image, I think that would destroy them. To be corrected by their their husband in in public, and Dwayne doesn't mind me making a fool of him. So I that's it comes that's down
2: to being confident in who you are and knowing yeah. who you are. Right, you know, exactly. That's 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 not going to damage me. Right, <laughs> right. Maybe it could in some relationships, and maybe it's unhealthy in some relationships. But hey. well, we're not talking about abuse, but we're right. talking about you know lighthearted. Right. Well, right. that's why we have. That's why we share a similar sense of humor. I guess that's right. something that's, again, mm-hmm. so we keep it's, the sense it's of humor is key. Yeah. A relationship. Mm-hmm. And again, if you can't laugh at yourself, you can't laugh.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. You sure. have to be able to laugh at yourself. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: Yeah. What y'all are talking around here, I've been thinking about this as I'm watching the two of you, but it almost seems like in a very beautiful way, humility to say, I love who I am and my partner makes me better. And so I can let them correct me. We can laugh about it. And it's just this really, this really cool humility.
1: Yeah, I never thought, I never put it that way, but yeah, yeah. it's true. That's what it is. See, that's why he's, you know, who he is. (laughs) is, is, And that's where we are on this (laughs) side of the computer and he's on that side. Yes. (laughs)
2: <laughs> that's why you are in your position
1: <laughs> <laughs> on top see he's above, he's above we're below above, right? yes yeah. <laughs> yeah. which people can't see on the podcast but well yeah. if those who are this...
2: listening we're on zoom and he's above us and we're above. yes and we're on the bottom we're inferior but it's teaching okay. learning yes, really? yes.
0: <laughs> on my screen we're side by side but, you know we're, we're equal <laughs>
1: oh <laughs> okay interesting oh. Wait, wait can we do that no we're still so... you have to I could change it yeah I like okay. it this way I like yeah, it this way, I like yeah. this way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, one of the things that I want to um, just use as maybe some levity or to ask about, but you guys, uh, there was a season where you guys had a, a lot of muscles. You guys grew and it was really in, in some of your montages to see kind of in the 90s, I think it was when you guys really bulked up.
1: no it was up until last year oh, cuz you know, we it the gym started
2: in the 90s oh wow yeah. Yeah.
1: no cuz our biggest we were at here we at our biggest at the end of 2019 beginning of 2020 and then pandemic came the gyms closed in march and, and that, that was the first out. yeah that was the first <laughs> time we Everyone says that they gained a lot of weight during the pandemic. We lost about 30 pounds each.
2: Yeah. We wow.
1: just all the muscles, sh- you know, shrunk. So
2: we're, hard gainers. we're really looking
1: forward to going back. Like yeah. we're going to go back <laughs> next week.
0: That's fun.
2: We're hard gainers, year. and we um that, that you know, like we always tell people have an activity you can do with your partner that you both enjoy. And for us it was going to the gym. Mm-hmm. And um you know we weren't set setting out oh i got to be you know reach a certain size but it just it, it became an activity that we enjoyed together yeah. and
1: um i know we didn't make sit down and say let us now be muscular guys it no, just we it wanna just happened
2: daddy bears or whatever yeah you know, it, it, again we weren't going for an image but an image happened we were, upon us right um but yeah it was an activity we enjoyed together And you know what? It makes you feel better, too, when you're working out regularly. Yeah, because, you
1: know, we've never felt our age until this past year. And suddenly we looked at each other after many months of not working out. We're like, oh, my God, we got old. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) So hopefully we can reverse some things this year.
0: Sure. Yeah. I don't know if you guys feel this, but I do. But it's I feel like. I feel lucky for being gay and having a male partner because in this sort of way, like having these activities together and seeing your photos and it's almost like, I feel like straight people have this in their own way, but we get kind of this ability to have our lover be our best friend in the same way that a straight man would have a best friend in childhood. You know, like it's like we get, we get kind of that dual love if you will and watching you guys kind of i love that one tiktok where it was like i think it was the 80s and the 90s circled back to the 80s or whatever it was but it was just so fun to see the best friend nature of your relationship coinciding with the love
1: of your relationship that's nice and that's another part of a relationship, being friends. We've being always noticed friends. that, though, about straight couples that we've been friends with that have also been together a long time. They always have separate friends and they do separate activities. The women go off with their girlfriends and do this. And, yeah, we've, we've never had that. We do everything together. We are each other's best friends.
2: You know, we've known one straight couple where it's their best friends and they don't they're always together, you know, and they do everything together and they have a very healthy relationship um so i i i think friendship is also part of what are you talking about your relationship mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay yeah <laughs> okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, um so what were we talking about oh yeah relationship yeah yeah
1: mm-hmm. yeah no like gay couples have uh, they have a special thing me cuz we, we, right, we can be like each other's best, be best be friend of, right Because right mm. right, right. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> right, right 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 yes both being both of the same sex you can share things as yes. friends would yes mm-hmm. right girlfriends boyfriends yes right yes. any last thought <laughs> that you
0: wish the the queer community could hear something funny, something insightful
1: um just be it's so it, it sounds cliche but it's the mo- number one question we're asked most often and we have to say just be who you are be your authentic i don't even know if they know what authentic means anymore because everyone's always saying using the throwing the word authenticity around to the point where it doesn't have any meaning anymore but just whatever your natural inclination or interest is Go with that, and don't think I have to. You don't have to fit into a. Mold. I have to like you drag don't. because I'm gay, or I have to like this kind of music, or I have to dress this way, or I have to paint my fingernails. You don't have to do anything. You're just a person. You're just an individual, and just whether you're straight or gay or bi or any whatever, you just do what
2: you want to do, and don't let those outside influences tell you what you are, who you are, what you should be, when you should be, Um, it almost seems easier said than done because it's so difficult in in such a uh, multimedia society we live in and a technology that we live in. But really, it's it's, don't let anything else tell you what or who you should be, Um, but be a nice person. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> but don't be afraid of who you are, because right. Be another thing we've seen right. numerous. Do I have another moment to, to talk or? Absolutely. Okay. No, we've seen numerous TikToks of younger gay guys talking about how they're afraid to go to the mechanic. They're afraid to go to Home Depot because there are macho straight guys there, and I'm I'm. They're gonna. I don't understand why they assume anyone that works anywhere is straight or gay just from looking at them or why they assume that any straight guy is going to be homophobic and want to beat them up. I mean, we've never, ever experienced that. We will, we go anywhere and we're always who we are and we'll go to the mechanic or we'll go anywhere. Mm -hmm. So the fact that not just one, but I've seen multiple instances of younger gay guys talking about that. It means that they're not confident in who they are or in, in anyone, they they assume anyone's going to attack them. But they want they think they feel victimized at all times, and I think that comes from not um, being secure in who you authentically are and feeling they have to put on this gay personality or a straight personality. I don't even know what any of that means, but does
2: that make sense? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I think it's. Um,
0: I do. I do. Definitely appreciate what you're saying in the sense that when it feels like being gay means you have to play a role, then it also, we, we right. not assume the role, but then we assume all of the fear and
1: insecurity of the role. Right. I don't think anyone has to know whether you're straight and gay at all times. Where if you're going to Home Depot, why does anyone care or need to know anything about it? You. I mean, they don't know if you're straight or gay or whatever. They just want to sell you something. Mm-hmm. So you shouldn't worry. I'm gay. I can't go to Home Depot. I don't. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. Yeah.
0: I think a lot of people. I, I wonder if it's some of the um, identification of like toxic masculinity in the sense that, you know, if I'm gender queer and I'm walking into Home Depot with high heels and makeup as a as a male then. Um, the toxic masculinity is really unsafe. I'm not sure, but that I do think that there is that persona, you know, this is what it means to be gay. It means I adopt a persona rather than let my true authenticity shine. That's, right. Right. Where, the That's, where, the That's where the mistake is. That's a mistake.
2: Right. You know, you can, uh, I mean, we've all maybe adapted you know, a personality or persona and maybe gone out, you know, to a club or something. It's kind of fun. But don't let that rule your life that this is how you have to be because you're gay. That's that's where the mistake is. And again, if it is you want to you know, put on your uh, put on your drag, uh, you put it on and you go to Home Depot. You go you go where you want to go and be confident in it. This is me. I love it. You know, I see a lot of. I disappear. I see a lot of people. You know, talking about how uh, you know how confident they are doing this in their safe space at home. But you know, you have to go out of your safe space. It's a hard thing to do, but leave your safe space, um, and it may not be as bad as you think. You know, and I know that. Big point about location, 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 where you live, you know, you live somewhere where you're not going to feel safe in that. Uh, I understand. Yeah. You may have to keep that to yourself. Uh, I mean, I get that. That's an issue that that's, mm-hmm. uh, it's the outside, uh, um, negative influence, but again, still you need that self-confidence. You need to live in that self-confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, back to what we said. You don't have to be anything if it's not you. You don't have to be anything if it's not you.
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, from time to time on the show, I reference my slight addiction for TikTok. But it was through TikTok that I found their example of what it might look like for me to be a married queer person. An, an example that brings me such comfort. And... As we listen to this show, I really do ponder, how have our lives been dramatically changed by social media? Does it really put that kind of pressure on us to curate a life, to be seen a certain way, and therefore another pressure to actually have that life when the camera's turned off and the the Snapchat is closed? What would my life look like if I didn't have a mirror I often think about what would my authenticity be like if there were no cameras, if there was no Instagram for me to post what I thought was cool, but also if I didn't have the pressure to collect the outfits and the sunglasses and the hairdos that made me look cool. As I watched these two happy married men express the joy over a life well-lived, and they still have a lot of life to live. I want those crow's feet on my eyes. I want to smile with the same type of joy that they do. I've mentioned this in other episodes, but we can use this fascinating thing. It's invisible. It comes through our behaviors called negative control. Negative control is any behavior that we enact as a way of provoking others into soothing us. So if we post that incredible picture on Instagram, we are basically using that as a form of negative control. We are using that photo to provoke people into telling us we are cool, we are worthy, we are accepted, we are liked, we are loved. That type of negative control becomes very, very unfortunate or maybe even unhealthy when we don't know that we're lovable without those pictures. Negative control helps prop up this sense of other esteeming as opposed to self-esteem. And what these two guests describe is a type of self-esteem and a confidence that came from not only loving but being loved, from belonging, from sharing, not this filtered perception of reality, but this in-real-life-being-known kind of reality. I think there's something to that. Oftentimes there's queer 20-somethings in my office and they're saying, Isaac, dating is so hard. How do you make it work? Will I ever find anybody? In the wake of breakups, clients will often say, Isaac, I don't want to get back out there. Please don't make me date again. And I think it comes from this fear of wanting something so bad and yet not knowing how it works. When I look at social media around hookup culture, there's a lot of mentions that it's toxic. And I think in many ways, the hookup culture can be toxic. It doesn't necessarily have to be, but it can. And I think we have to recognize the ways that our insecurities, our negative control, our other esteeming contribute to that toxicity. I was talking with my therapist years ago, and I was complaining <laughs> like crazy. And she said, Isaac, how about you become the person you want? And that really resonated with me. I wanted someone who was honest and caring, loyal, thoughtful. And here I was being critical, obnoxious, working too much, completely absent, and demanding. And I have to realize, sometimes I might be part of the toxicity I want to go away. I can imagine what it takes to make a marriage work. I'm not married yet, but we're getting close. And there is such an incredible sense of humility, I believe, that takes to be married. The humility to say, you're right, I'm wrong. The humility to say, I need to go back to therapy. The humility to say, the version of the best way might not actually be the best way. And maybe my partner has something to teach me. You know, I do agree with today's guests that humor is incredible, but it doesn't have to be everything for everyone. There's intellectual intimacy, emotional, social, spiritual, physical. I am very grateful for their examples of humor. I wish I have a little bit more of that in my life. But if we take something from each relationship we observe and use it for our good, let me start over. I really respect their example of humor. Sorry, let me sew my thoughts together. You know, more than anything, I really appreciate their examples of just authenticity, their humor, their joking, the way that they interrupt one another, but the humility they have to let the other person correct them. Their relationship or marriage might not be exactly what mine or yours will look like, but they do have a lot of examples of what we have access to. And as we all engage in healthy relationships or just loving authentically, we have the ability to refine one another. To today's guests, thank you for rushing in out of your busy New York life and into the session with me. It was a joy to be with you. And thank you for falling in love because it teaches all of us what love can look like. Until next time. (laughs) Queer Relationships Tips is a podcast sponsored by I Am Clinic, a counseling practice devoted to the LGBTQ plus community with in-person and virtual counseling options available. I Am Clinic, create the love lives and relationships you crave. Find us online on Instagram at LGBTQ underscore therapy and Facebook at I Am Clinic. That's I-A-M Clinic.